and welcome back to the Murdy Creative Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Murdy, and today's topic is the craziest time of the year. But first, I want to say thank you to everyone who supported the company so far. If you haven't got a chance, go check us out on the web at murdycreative.co. That's M-U-R-D-Y creative.co. Or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram to see the best of our product shots. Follow us to keep up to date with our daily photos and be the first one to know about new product launches. You can also use the subscribe button at the bottom of our website to be included in all of our new product announcements. Be sure to check out our laser engraving, personalization options, and exclusive colors on our website, or you can get a blank one on Amazon Prime. So, I think I'm just going to skip over Christmas. There's just so much to cover, I couldn't possibly... Just kidding, obviously, I know that that's what you guys are here for. So, first podcast of the new year. Obviously, for those of you who are looking for it last year, or for last week, I should say, you were correct to look for it. That's when I said I was going to start up again. Sure didn't. Um, I came back from vacation a little bit later in the week. Didn't even think about that when I signed off in Thanksgiving. Didn't even do the Christmas podcast or the New Year's podcast. So yeah. Now, that should give you just a small window into this Christmas season that I didn't do those things. And boy, there's a lot to cover. So I'm going to do my best. This is going to be a longer episode. I will absolutely cop to that from right from the beginning. There's just so much to cover. There's just no way I could wrap it all into that time frame that we normally do without it being just very, very, very light on any sort of information. So let's start with where we left off. We were going into Black Friday, Cyber Monday, um, before, you know, it was right before Thanksgiving. We had been hiring. We'd found a couple of people that we thought were really good options. We hired some people. And here's how it went. Cyber Monday was the biggest day in this company's history. By every metric, website traffic, individual items sold, dollars of sales. Black Friday was close second, and those days just blew everything out of the water. Now, I can't complain. That's what you're supposed to do on those days. Even Small Business Saturday was really good for us, Um, and that was exciting. Now, for those of you who've been watching the podcast up until that point, you knew that we were way behind going into Thanksgiving. I think we were like 1,300 items behind going into Thanksgiving. So then when I tell you that we had all of that happen, you can understand my concern. We ended up hiring eventually three people total, but we started with hiring two new people. One of those people, by day three, we had to let go. Now, I don't want to get too deep into that because there was a lot that went into that decision and it was difficult, as you could imagine, with what was going on and the situation. But the short version of it was they were slowing down production entirely. They were there, them by themselves with the relationship that they were working with the other people in their, their area and with the way they were, they were doing their job. It was slowing down the entire production team. Now, there was a reasonable point to be made, which is had they, if they'd been there longer, if they'd gotten better, perhaps that wouldn't have been the case, right? Perhaps they would have gotten up to speed. But the issue is that when you're already running at 130%, if something is dragging you down, you, you, can't, you can't keep that. Like, even if, even if it could get better over time, you don't have the time to keep it. So, unfortunately, we had to let that person go. That was really hard. The other person that we had hired initially couldn't join us until December 6th. However, she was incredibly gracious and came in on her days off from her other job because she had given her, she said, I have to put in my two weeks notice. 
And I said, you know, if we paid you more, would you be willing to not do that? And she said, no, it's the right thing for me to do. And she's right. I'm glad. I hope I'm, I'm confident she will extend us the same courtesy if she ever leaves us. And uh, I, I guess that's a good thing. We were just so desperate at the time. And but she did come in on her days off. And she actually there was one day where her, her manager said that she did need to come in in the right away in the morning. She could come in a little later. And she came in that morning to work for us. So she was right off the bat, very gung ho. I want to be here. I want to do what needs to be done. I want to stay late, come early, work hard. And she was so quick as a learner, which was excellent. I, I ended up, I think it was day, she, she'd been one of the few people. So we had done our interviews, right? We had done, we had, I knew we were hiring for two positions. We had done our interviews and she was the person who, after her interview, before I'd interviewed other people, I said, we want her and I wanted to hire her. And I told her that that evening. Meryl was a little skeptical of that. She just, I think she mostly was just curious why I didn't wait to interview other people. But the second day that, that we had the new person here, uh, Meryl comes to me and goes, I see why you hired her. And that was, that was, that was great. But this was, so she was excellent. But this became a problem of too little too late. By the first week after Black Friday, we were realizing that we were in trouble. We were producing a little bit more than we were getting in in every day in orders, but not nearly enough. Very much not so. Now, I kept telling myself in kind of a very sweet, deluded sense that it was just because we didn't have the full team there. That when we had all the people there, we would be good. And, well, that just did never happen that way. So... That whole week, I was like, I talked to the marketing. I'm like, we have to pull back on all of our marketing dollars. Boom, they did that. And we'd been spending a lot of money. So they just immediately shut that off, basically. We had planned for a special deal of the day sale that was going to happen the first week after Black Friday, Cyber Monday. That got canceled just right off the bat. We just didn't have the, the production for it. And so we're getting sales in like crazy. And that's not slowing things down. So... Eventually, I pull the last lever we have, which is to shut off the BOGO. And I was hoping that that would slow down sales. It didn't really slow down sales. Now, this is the end of the first week of after Black Friday week. We have just been, we have been working at absolute breakneck pace. We have done a lot of revisions to the process to try to if more, create it more, make it more efficient. And we have succeeded in that process. The, the programs that we had inst instituted and implemented were new. So they had their own kind of, there was a little of a learning curve there, but for the most part, we had done a great job working on improving efficiency across the board. And we had, and we had produced more things. We were producing more things every day on average than we had produced in two or three days under normal production circumstances, which was good. There was areas that we were falling behind though. Engraving continued to be the problem. Now, we figured it out towards the end. And actually, it was about that week that we figured it out. And the answer was this. One of the things that we had not anticipated in engraving was how long each engraving would take. Now, we'd anticipated what we thought was a reasonable average for production, right? We assumed that you've got an engraving, let's say we were going to say it, each engraving takes an average of six minutes. The problem is, is that assumption was wildly off because we added the personalizer the week before uh, Thanksgiving. 
Well, the personalizer meant that a lot of people now could very easily customize their product with logos and other things that were large, which ballooned our engraving time significantly. On top of that, we had a lot more bulk orders that came in through that process, which is precisely what we had hoped for when we started it, but that wasn't good for production. So what we ended up doing was we ended up starting by doing split shifting. So Anna and Meryl would come in, well, Meryl would come in early and start at seven and she would get the engravers going at seven. And then Anna would take over engraving for a little while. And then I would come in and I would work and I would keep the engravers going until seven at night. So the engravers were going 12 hours a day for most days. We quickly realized that basically all of us, specifically all of the admin team, Meryl, Anna, and I, were going to basically have to be working 12-hour days at that point. Because the idea that I would come in later and then work till 7, while it happened a couple of days, that was rare. Most days I would still have to come in early because there was other things that needed to be done beyond me just engraving. And we found out that having two people in the engraving room really was a critical part of that success. Because we found out very quickly, well not very quickly, we found out relatively quickly, that one person can probably keep three engravers running pretty consistently. One person can for sure keep two engravers running consistently. The problem is we have, at this point, we had five engravers. We had six by the end of the season, by the way. But we had five engravers at the time. And the issue, realistically, was... We thought one person could keep all of them going, and they couldn't. So we needed to have two people in the engraving room. Well, the only two people, well, there was, there was Anna, Meryl, and I, were the three people that had been trained well enough on engraving to be able to do the engraving. So that meant that all of, we basically had to just continuously work um, every day, all day long, every week, which was, you know, that's what Christmas is. It's the most wonderful time of the year. So that was taxing. That was very taxing on the team. It kind of came, it came back in the end where we, we made it, but it was, it was difficult. Now, with that in mind, one of the advantages with that, Meryl and I often would be in the engraving room together, and sometimes engraving is boring, because sometimes you're just waiting for your machines to finish. Now, that's relatively rare, but you can do multiple things while you engrave sometimes. And so Meryl and I would have a lot of opportunities to talk in the engraving room, which was good, because we were able to talk about some of the bigger picture stuff that we had always kind of wanted to talk about, but we hadn't really had op op opportunities to. Now, there was really a big problem that came up, though, early in the engraving process. This was right about right after the week of, of Cyber Monday. We're doing a lot of production. We have our fifth engraver added in, and suddenly the, the room, the air quality monitor in the room that we have that keeps it, you know, that we use to monitor to make sure the air quality is safe, it's kept spiking. It kept spiking to very high levels very quickly, and we could just do nothing to bring it down. So in frustration, I call my older brother Marcus because it's not every day that you have a fluid dynamics problem, i.e. the airflow system, and you have someone who's an aerospace engineer who did several semesters of fluid dynamics in uh, your family. So I call him, and after about four hours on the phone with him, I basically realized that the way my understanding of fluid dynamics was basically backwards, and the way I had designed the system with that backwards understanding was almost intentionally hindering us. Now, the good news is there were several things I could do pretty quickly and pretty easily to improve the process and improve the system and we did them right away I, I just to give you a very short version of it I bifurcated the filter system so in the old days all of the different filters all came into one pipe and that one pipe went out 
Well, the problem is that I didn't change the diameter. I didn't widen the diameter of the pipe that was the, the main pipe that all of them flowed into. I'd imagine that it would just mean that the pressure inside the pipe would grow. That's not how that would work. It created back pressure against the fans. So if each fan is, let's just say hypothetically, is pushing 1,000 cubic feet per minute, and they're all doing that through an 8-inch pipe, and then the, that 8-inch pipe, all of five of those 8-inch pipes converge into one 8-inch pipe. It's not like that brand, uh, that trunk 8-inch pipe is now going five times faster. No. It's that all of them are working at a fifth of their capability. So we bifurcated the system and had it be two branches that went out and set up the whole process, and that helped a lot. But what we found out is it didn't help a lot initially, and I was confused why, and Marcus wisely pointed out that we did we have enough inflow. The answer was no. So we opened a window in the engraving room and that provided enough inflow to, of fresh air that we were able to keep the room at, at normal or better than normal levels at all times. However, it's Wisconsin in the wintertime. So having a window open in that room, even though the machines do produce some heat, having a window open in that room when it's like 10 degrees outside means that the room gets very cold. So there was, there, Meryl and I were in that room in our coats and hats and scarves with all five engravers, you know, six engravers, and they roaring away and the filtration system running as hard as it possibly can to filter out all the particulate and then produce and send it out. It was, it was a whole process, but that was just one of the little things that, that we learned during Christmas and on our new tracker, which I'll talk about in a little bit that we eventually developed that, is one of the things that is on the, the thing for this year is, is to completely overhaul, redevelop the room. I'm going to have Marcus come up for a couple of days and help me do all of the scientific process to properly set up our flow system and how we uh, filter the, the particulates as well as how do we create proper inflow and outflow and how can we set it up so that we don't have this problem in the future and we don't have to keep the window open during winter time because that's not great. So you know, there was, there was things like that, right? We, we had to figure out, there were some issues that we had with trying to figure out cutting efficiencies and things like that. So there were little elements of efficiencies that we had to work towards and work on improving. But by that end of that first week after Black Friday, a lot of that had happened. And we were waiting for our new person to join us because her first day at the company was Saturday, December 4th. And yes, we worked Saturdays basically all through Christmas. So... When we had her in that Saturday, we only did that half day that day just because of a couple other issues that had come up, but we, I was a little nervous because I had created in my mind this plan for how we were going to get back, we were going to get caught up by Christmas, right? I had this whole plan for how we were going to get caught up by Christmas and it had specific sales targets and it had specific production targets. And there was a little wiggle room in both, but not a lot. And the, the sales targets, the problem was, is we just continued every single day to exceed them by 30%. Like every single day, the sales targets, which were based off of last year's sales numbers, the sales targets of this year, were, we just blew them out of the water. It was based off last year's numbers adjusted, and we still blew them out of the water. So it's December 6th which is the Monday after that, that first Saturday. So it's the December 6th. And we, I, this, this is supposed to be, this is the first day that we're supposed to have all of the production team, everybody, everybody in. And we miss our production goal by a lot. And now I'm panicking. Because I'm sitting there doing the math, looking at how much the full team was able to produce, looking at how many orders we have left, and going, 
We don't have enough days. So I frantically call the marketing team and I say, we're shutting off everything and we are moving up our shipping deadlines, which broke my heart. I was so upset about that for so long. I mean, I realized in the end it was the right thing to do, but it just killed me because we had, we've, we've always, every time we've ever done Christmas, we've always announced our shipping deadlines, right? And they're normally from like, they're normally around the 14th. Sometimes they're a little later, right? But it's normally December 14th, 15th, something like that. This year, we were really excited because we were going to be able to have the, the deadline for you to order and get it by Christmas using ground shipping was going to be December 13th. You could use three-day shipping. You, you could, the deadline for three-day shipping would have been that Wednesday. So it would have Monday, Wednesday, and then Friday, the, the uh, 17th, would have been the last day for two-day shipping. And then we were going to have Monday be the last day for uh, like next day air. That was going to be our, our grand scheme. That was, we determined that back in like the beginning, like the end of October, we had determined that that's what our targets were going to be. And I'm looking at the numbers going, there's no way we can do any of that. And we're barely going to have enough time. We're not going to have enough time as is. And so what ended up happening was I frantically told the marketing team, we need to shut this off. We need to move the deadlines for shipping up to now. They needed to be on the 6th, frankly. The marketing team basically said, well, it's going to take us a second to get things updated to the new deadlines because we didn't plan on them being this day. We have all of our emails, all of our SMSs, everything set up for those dates. We have to we have to rewrite them to basically create the new date. We have to do the redo the pop ups on the website and there are a whole bunch of other things. So I said, fine. I said they said we could do the eighth. They said we can we can take the seventh because this was in the, this was like like 8 p.m. on the sixth. They said we're going to we'll take tomorrow. We'll get everything updated tomorrow. We'll schedule it so that it'll all go out on the eighth. And some of it will actually go out the evening of the 7th so that people had some time, right? So we said, okay, we'll do that. And we did that. And I went on the website, so we changed the pop-up so that it was, and I, they asked, do you want to do a full-page pop-up? And I specifically, specifically said, yes, I hate full-page pop-ups normally. But in this particular instance, I said, I want the customer to have to click X on a pop-up that says Christmas deadline has passed. We then, I then put it in the header of the website, which shows up on every page. On the landing page of our website, there's that nice big picture that has the journals and everything like that. The thing, the, the one card below it, the full width card below it was Christmas deadline has passed. Here's click here to order gift cards. Then on, the, if those of you who shopped on our website, if you, if you add a product to your cart, there's a little side cart that pops out at the moment, at least. I put Right above the checkout, go to checkout button, a little blurb about December 8th is our, our deadline for Christmas delivery. Any orders placed after December 8th will not arrive in time for Christmas. Then I put it on the, once you're in the cart checkout page and you have to select your shipping option, right above where it says shipping option, there's a whole blurb about how December 8th was, is our Christmas deadline. Any orders placed after December 8th will not arrive in time for Christmas, no matter what choice you select below, right? It was, I put it in four places. I could, I could, I genuinely could not think of anywhere else to put it in the website. Despite me doing that, we had plenty, plenty of emails of people who were upset December 22nd because they'd ordered December 10th or December 11th or December 14th and they were waiting for their order still. And uh, people just don't read. I, I, it took everything in my power to not just be like, 
how did you click out of the pop-up that said the Christmas deadline has passed and then think you were going to get it by Christmas when you're ordering after that? Anyway, I'm, I'm not going to go. I spent a lot of emotional energy being frustrated with those people. I didn't do it to them normally, but um, I was very frustrated. And obviously, the problem is, is you're getting those emails at the very last minute of everything. So you're already on edge. You're already wound up. Um, but that's okay. Anyway, so we updated the website to now have the new deadline for Christmas. The deadline comes and goes, and now we've got a number, and that's key, because now we knew exactly how many products we needed to make, how many items we needed to make before, realistically, the 17th. Because the 17th was when the ground deadline would be. Now, I knew at the time that there was actually a little bit of margin there, and that was done on purpose. And the margin is this, is if the deadline for ground passes and we still have a bunch of orders that haven't been made, we upgrade them to two-day shipping, and that'll still get them there on time that next week. It's just expensive for us because the customer didn't pay for that, and we have to pay for the difference, right? So that was the backup. So then for the next week and a half, right, for the next week, we're just, we're pushing it. We have another problem that shows up, though, right at the 6th, right before we get to the deadline. And I'm like, of course, this is the deadline, which is we were supposed we had placed I know go back a couple of months. We had placed a P.O. for our leather in September for our Christmas leather. At the time, we had placed a P.O. in August and I talked with our leather supplier and they said the tannery in Milwaukee. And they said, we've got about an eight week lead time now, which is double their normal lead time, I might add. But they said, we have about an eight-week lead time right now. And I knew that in August, so I'm like, okay. Now, you don't, I didn't want to place a PO for our Christmas leather until we had a better handle on the cutting process and we had better data on the cutting process. But by September, we just didn't have enough data for it to be valid. And I still stand by that. So at the end of September, I put in a PO for what I thought was going to be a safe but large amount of leather. And I said to him, this is our Christmas order. We need this, you know, we need this. And this is what we need this by the end of November at the latest. And he said, we can get it to you November 23rd. I'm like, okay. December 6th rolls around and we are still missing half of that order. And most of them, and we're missing two or three mils of espresso, right? Which is a huge amount of espresso. Our best selling color by far. So December 6th is rolling around. We're about to put this out of stock. Merrill comes to me and goes, Colin, we are out of espresso leather. And we will be shortly, and we need it before Christmas. We definitely are going to need it soon because we've got all of these orders that are going to be not go out by Christmas that have been before the deadline because we're out of leather. So I go back to our leather supplier on the 7th. I put it, we put it out of stock on the website, which people were a little concerned about. We then went back to our supplier and we said, look, we've got to have this. And they said, well, we can rush a mill. We've got one kind of halfway in progress. We can rush a mill. We can get it to you by the 13th. I said, we need it by the 13th. Get it to us by the 13th. So. Monday's the 6th, Tuesday, Wednesday's the 8th, Thursday, Friday. By Friday, we decide, okay, we can put our espresso back in stock because we're going to have it on the 13th. So the people that order it on the 10th, 11th, 12th, whatever, they're not going to get their order before Christmas anyway. So we'll have espresso leather by the time we get to that point to make it, right? So we put it back in stock. We end up having that next week. The leather is supposed to arrive on the 13th, which is the Monday. But it's not here. And our contact at the, at the tannery, 
is on a, at a conference for the first two or three days of the week, and he had his his, his um, I don't know what her official title is. I'm going to call her the secretary. Her secret his secretary was the one who was managing to make sure it was, and and bless her heart, she did her best, but it didn't get to the workshop until Wednesday. Remember, we have a week, right? The 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th. Those five days are the days that we have to do a huge, huge, enormous amount of production to be able to make that ground deadline. Now, what we had done in the meantime is we said, okay, well, pick everything of every other color but espresso. We're going to sprint forward on those, right? We're not going to do the orders in order. We're going to do the orders by what we can do first. So we sprinted forward on the other colors. And so basically that week we knew was just going to mostly be espresso because remember that is our best selling color by a lot. So most of our products were that, most of our sales were in that color. So it doesn't get here by Wednesday. You imagine at this point, my blood pressure is like through the roof. I am, I am in trouble. Monday the 13th, we're working, t- I, it's, it's Anna and I and, and our new person are working late. And it's seven o'clock, eight o'clock. We're working. And um, our new person, she, bless her heart, she did this. This was a really sweet thing to do. She said, do you want me to stay late? And I said, um, you don't, I mean, it'd be really helpful, but you don't have to. I'm happy to pay you overtime if you do, though. And she goes, okay, well, let me just go quick pick up my daughter and I'll be back. And so she went and picked up her daughter and she brought her daughter, her four-year-old daughter to the workshop. And her four-year-old daughter was the cutest, most helpful little person ever. It was great. Um, so she stayed late for after bringing her daughter back, she came back and worked really hard. But as we're leaving, she gets a phone call from her mother. This is Monday. She gets a phone call from her mother. That Friday, she had been to her grandfather's 94th, 94th birthday. Her brother was there. She was in close contact with her brother and her brother had tested positive for COVID. Now this new person is one of the few people that wasn't with us in October and didn't get it when we all got it. Uh, So I say, go home. Don't come back until we get a positive or we get a, a test from you. Right. It's Monday. So that, but that was her fourth day, right? She didn't have any symptoms. I said, go home. Um, don't, uh, don't come back until we can get you a, a negative test from one of the rapid tests. We'll start there and we'll figure out what to do after that. Next morning she goes into, I, I actually helped her figure out how to schedule because she'd never done before. I helped her schedule the rapid test, find one that was local. In the morning she went, she got the rapid test and we get her results back by noon and it's negative. And I'm like, okay, if we're on day five with no symptoms and you have a negative COVID test, that's pretty good. That's a good start. That being said, we did institute some COVID protocols on top of that just because she wasn't the only new person to the workshop. We'd actually had several new people to the workshop since our illness in October. Um, And one of those people, one of the the individuals who had been a new, and it was supposed to be a seasonal hire, but he's actually stayed on afterwards and we're pretty happy to have him. But he has a pregnant wife with twins. And so while some people have various tolerances for risk. I actually was very understanding of his concern because that was a very real concern, right? And so we had decided, okay, even though she's got a negative COVID test, she's five days in with no symptoms, there's still a chance. So what we're going to do is this. We took her, we took the admin office, emptied the admin office, put her desk, her work, work dance, workbench in the, the admin office. 
She had a little cart and a N95 mask, and I provided everyone who wanted an N95 mask at the workshop. They could have one. They could use it. They could wear it as they so fit, but she had to wear one anytime she left the room. So she had to wear one every time she walked out of the room, and she was supposed to take her cart, walk out, grab a bunch of the raw materials, come back in. She could take her mask off while she was in the room by herself, right? I don't need, she didn't need to wear it while she's by herself. Um, and then if someone knocked on the door, she was supposed to put it on, and obviously they could opt to wear one if they chose. And that actually worked out pretty well, all things considered. I, I think that process, I mean, it was, we didn't have an admin office at, for like a week and a half, but we were all busy in the engraving rooms and elsewhere, so it didn't matter anyway. It's not like we were going to go in there. So that worked out pretty well. Now, that same time, by Monday of that week, our best maker, the person who'd been with us for as long, almost as long as Marilyn, who was our best assembly person, she'd been sick with a cold. And I don't know why it didn't dawn on me sooner to like think that, well, maybe this isn't a cold. But anyway, she had been just, she was just out sick, real sick. And we're like, yeah, no, no, stay home, right? Now, in, to our credit at the time, we had, she'd been, that, that person, that individual had been working a ton of hours at the workshop and had been going to school and had been doing a bunch of other, like that person was easily doing 80 to 90 hours of work a week. So the idea that they would get sick is not like out of the question. So, but they were sick and that, that person, she was out. And so I'm like, okay, well, by Wednesday or Thursday of that week, we had assumed that person would be back. By Wednesday or Thursday of that week, that person had felt a little bit better, but with our whole COVID scare with the new person, we're like, well, just to be safe, right? Just to be reasonable. It's, it's not real. Go get a, go get a COVID test, right? We'll find out for sure, right? We don't think you have it, but go get a COVID test. And that person's COVID positive too, but that person had been very sick and COVID positive. So that's a different story. Well, that person, like, we're like, you have to stay home. You can't come in. Um, you got to finish the quarantine period, right? So now this is the, it's now December like 16th or 17th, right? This is like the Thursday or Friday. We have to get everything out for ground. Otherwise we've got to ship things today, right? We had to pay for a bunch of money to upgrade things, right? One of our assembly people is locked in the room and they're doing a great job besides that fact. The other best assembly person is out home. It's out sick and cannot come back. And it just turned into a series of very long days and very long nights. And we just kept chugging away. Now, when the 8th had passed, the night of the 8th, when, like, actually say the morning of the 9th, when I had that hard number of items we needed to get out, my first thought was, oh, well, that's actually a little lower than I'd anticipated. I am so glad it was lower than I'd anticipated. Because it actually meant that by the time we got to that Friday that week, we only had... I think at the time we, we ended up going into that weekend with only 400, 300 or 400 items that needed to be rushed and upgraded that next week. Now we had only planned on working the, we only worked, we only had planned on and we only worked the first three days of that week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The Murdy Creative Company for a long history has always normally shut down the 22nd through the 26th to give people time to go home to spend time with their families. Normally if we ship something out on the 22nd, it doesn't arrive in time for Christmas when we use the U.S. Postal Service. So it was not an issue in the previous years. This year, because we were using UPS, they actually have later deadlines. So we decided this year, well, we're going to work until the end of the 22nd. And we'll have the 23rd, the 24th, the 25th, the 26th, and the 27th off, right? Which the 27th is the Monday. So 
I always give them five days off at Christmas because, well, frankly, I want people to feel comfortable traveling and going home and visiting their families. And it's, you know, it's a wonderful season. So, but this year we were going to work through the 22nd. So we had the 20th, the 21st, and the 22nd was that first three days of the week. And we made it happen. It was tough, but by the end, we had shipped everything out that had been ordered before the deadline. And I am very proud of this. Anybody who had sent us an email that had ordered after the deadline, but had sent us an email saying, hey, I really, really was hoping to get this by Christmas. I understand that I ordered after the deadline. I understand it may not be possible. Is there anything I can do to get this to be delivered before Christmas? Normally, in those cases, we would send them a link to pay for upgraded shipping. And we were able to get every person who'd asked about that out as well. And then we went on break. And it was great. It was a nice break. I went to Texas the week after break um, to visit my family because I normally do that. I normally will spend actual, like the Christmas, my birthday is on Christmas Eve. So I will spend Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with my family and my wife's family who's local. And then usually after that, through the New Year's, I'll go to visit my family down in Texas with my brothers and everybody. So that's nice. So that's what I did this year. The rest of my team, obviously, did their, came back and they worked very, very hard on getting all of the orders that had been ordered after the deadline back out. And we actually realized, like, so, so when I went to Texas, I had an opportunity to spend some time to think, right? I mean, first off, we drove and we like to drive. Um, now, let me rephrase that. We don't like to drive. It's very convenient to drive for a lot of reasons. So it's a 20 hour drive though. So I have 20 hours both down and back to just think about stuff. And we ended the year financially in a much, much worse place than I'd ever thought we were going to be considering the enormous amount of sales we had done. And that puzzled me. And I kind of vowed to myself I wasn't going to think about it that much. But that didn't work. So what ended up happening was this. I spent some time at the end of my, my vacation in Texas just going over the numbers and going through the details. And there's still numbers to be done, right? There's still more information to be able to be determined. But I was able to come up with some conclusions as to what happened. Because we ended the year in a really tough place financially which, like I said, was surprising to me, considering the enormous numbers of sales we had done. The best I can tell, and this is actually going to lead into the next part of this podcast, which is kind of like, what, do we, what, are we gonna, what are we doing right now, and what does the future hold for the Murdy Creative Company? But I figured out that the cost of our raw materials, which had individually, each kind of item had been slowing going, slowly going up a little bit, had gone up collectively on most of our products like 22 and a half or more percent. In some cases, it was even a lot more than that on certain SKUs. So our raw materials had gone up enormously. We had been selling products with a BOGO sale, and the BOGO sale meant that we were doing higher volumes at lower prices of items that had higher costs than we had previously analyzed previously anticipated. So now we're in a situation where, if you think about it, the machine is racing faster with much less profitability. And on top of that, because of the nature of what needed to be done, we paid 
we had a ton, enormous amounts of overtime that were needed to get the production to work. So now you've got enormous amounts of overtime, meaning that each, the labor cost that was supposed to go for each item is much higher. The raw material costs of each item are much higher. And the sale, re the, re the value, the dollar value that they're selling for is much lower than they're supposed to be. And on top of that, even if none of those things were the case, the product wasn't really priced with the huge margins in the first place because that was never how we did pricing. And I realized we had the machine running as fast as it's ever gone right off a cliff. And that was tough. It was a tough conclusion to come to. As part of our benefits package that we worked out, you know, that I wanted to, because I, we're a small business. It is terribly important that we keep our, our talent. It is so difficult to lose good people, and we have worked so hard to develop a, a good team of people. I can't pay them extraordinarily well, unfortunately. Not yet. We, I want to eventually, but I can't yet. So we had, but, but we are trying to establish benefits and things like that, that that can help compensate for that. So this year, Jan 1-1, we had, and we had done a couple of things. And we told the, the employees this in December. We basically said, look, anybody who's been with us 90 days or longer is eligible for a 10% raise. Realistically, the raise is actually the, the, written into the benefits program. It's, um, we, we do cost of living raises, right? So the, whatever inflation is that year, we'll, we do raises. But inflation last year was astounding, was e enormous, like I've never seen before. Right. So while it would normally be normal inflation, a normal cost of living adjustment wages would be like two or three percent. I think this year it was it depends on how you calculate it, but it's between seven and ten, maybe 15 if you want to be a little more realistic. But that gets into a whole other issue. So we did 10 percent raises across the board. We also instituted for the first time a medical stipend. So. It, we just can't afford like private health insurance, but the company's too small to be able to get any sort of reasonable pricing on health insurance. So what we do is we give the employees, um, it's pretty reasonably sized. It's multiple hundreds of dollars a month, but, um, we give them a medical stipend so they can choose to put that in an HSA. They can choose to buy private insurance in the market. If they would like, they can choose to just, you know, it's, it's however they feel is the best for their medical needs. Um, based off their own unique situation, that's, that's up to them. But they get a medical stipend now. We launched last year uh, an IRA program, right? That costs money. Um, so we have retirement programs. So the benefits package of this year, though, means our labor costs are a lot higher. And ironically, our labor costs on, on an ongoing basis are going to look more like overtime during Christmas. They're going to be more similar than they are different to overtime during Christmas. Well, that's, as you can see, going to be a big problem. And so we, I really came to the conclusion after all of this that we have to do a price increase on all of our products. We just have to. And I hate that. I really hate that. Because people already complain that our products are so expensive. And I don't think they realize that while, yes, the dollar value is expensive, it's not because there's a huge profit margin in these. There's very little profit margin in any of these. and. 
So whenever we do a price increase, people are just going to think they're just going to think we're being greedy, but that's not what's happening. It's we have to do a price increase or we go out of business. And I hate that. So Meryl and I during Christmas had, we kept saying things like, oh, we got to make sure to do this when, in, in, when we're in New Year. We got to, we, next year, we gotta, when we're out of this season, we got to do this. And I, at one point, I'm like, all right, we just got to write this down. So I took and I grabbed a piece of cardboard and a Sharpie and I started writing out a list of things that needed to happen. And it got pretty long, actually. And after writing it out on a piece of cardboard, I'm like, we actually need to probably put this in a more formal setting of project management because this stuff is hugely important. I mean, there's an enormous amount of, of work that needs to be done. And we've got to have some semblance of organization in order to make it work. And so at that point, I, we started putting together a list of like actual, we started to create, you know, project management, things like that. And we realized that a lot of these projects are interrelated. So we needed to have a, we needed to redo the cutting analysis from last year. We needed to redo the cutting analysis with all of the new data from Christmas. Because once we have the new cutting analysis, we can then say, well, what does it actually cost us to cut a classic cut journal or a metric cut journal or anything like that? Because we have the data for how much we cut. And then we can use that data to create more accurate price and costs for our products along the skew margins and along the skew lines because we know exactly what we pay for all the raw materials at that point based off of where they are trending. Um, and so we've got all that data. So the first thing of this year was we needed to redo the cutting analysis and we needed to update the, the cost of each skew. And then we needed to do an analysis on where does the, where do we need to price that product so that we can actually keep the company going. And that has all been done now. And the good news is that for most of the things, it's not a significant price increase. For most of the things, we're looking at like $10. Um, some unique SKUs we found out were uniquely in trouble, and we fixed those a little more. One example of that is our executive cut folio. We realized when we did the analysis that if you get the folio, the, the, the executive cut folio, without the pocket, without the additional pocket, it is, we, we lose money on it. We lose money on every single one of them in a big way, which was upsetting to me. But we realized that the pocket, the add additional pocket, right? So the, normally in the old version of this, the executive cut was 159 without the additional pocket. And then when you added the pocket, it was 184. Well, we realized that the 184 is probably a lot closer to where it should be based off of its costs. Um, and so we're eliminating the option. We're eliminating the option where you don't get, where you can't get the pocket, right? So you, they will all come with the pocket, right? Which would be 184. That product is actually going to go probably up by $15. It's probably going to be 199 um, shortly. Mostly because that's where it's got to be for us to, to like ha keep the company going. Like we can't, we can't keep selling that particular product, especially because that one was just so poorly priced. So poorly priced. Ugh. Anyway. However, I hate the idea of raising prices and a big reason why we have to raise prices is because our cutting costs for our leather are so high. And it's not that we're cutting, I should say this, it's not that the cutting costs are so high, it's that the efficiency of the leather is low enough that 
I mean, we're only getting in some cases less than 50% yield out of a hide of usable leather. And that's partially because of our really, really high quality standards for our leather. So one of the solutions that we've come up with, and we've talked about this for months and months now, and we've been collecting the leather for it for months and months, and we just need to do it. And that's going to happen probably, hopefully, I'm hoping within this week, maybe next, is launching the Rugged line. Now, in the old days, when we had the leather cut by a third party, they would not take any time to review the hide and figure out what was good and what was bad. And so we would get these pieces of cut leather from them that just had horrible marks, terrible, ugly scratches and scars that would be deep and they would have dimensionality to them and all this other nonsense. And so that's where we developed the Imperfects line. But when we brought cutting in-house, we realized, and we knew this kind of all along, that we could intentionally avoid cutting imperfections that were the most egregious of the options. Like we could, we could avoid the worst of the options pretty well. But we discovered that there was parts of the hide that were not quite our normal A-grade, best of the best, beautiful, you know, no marks, everything's perfect, right? We, we realized that there was hide that was like that, but then there was also hide that was, it was beautiful in a different way, right? It wasn't like this flawless, perfect, no marks, nothing, but it had beautiful wrinkle lines where there was like fat marbling or it had um, areas where you could see that the cow had taken and brushed up against something. And so there was kind of like a beautiful kind of light scarring across the surface of it. But it was it was more like it was like even like there was a lot of scarring. And then so it was like it didn't look weird. It looked in it looked on purpose. Right. And so. One of the solutions that I've really wanted to do for a while now, we're going to do it now is launching the what we're going to call the rugged line. So the rugged line, we're going to discontinue the imperfects because, frankly, we don't have that many of left, of the old stock left, and we can avoid cutting what would be imperfects moving forward pretty well. But there's that middle ground, right, where it's not imperfect, but it's not flawless, right? It's not, it's not like smooth with no markings whatsoever, and so we're creating the rugged line. So the rugged line will be cheaper. In fact, the rugged line will probably be at the current price of things for the most part. I got to double check that across the board, but I think that'll be, a, it's a safe bet to assume that the rugged line will be the current pricing. And then we're going to offer the quote pristine option. So when you go to a product page now, and this is another change that we're making where we're putting those things front and center. So when you go to a product page, and this has yet to happen, so this is all subject to change, but the plan is that when you go to a product page for like the classic cut, you'll select the color and then there'll be a drop down below that, which will be rugged or pristine. And the pristine will have an upcharge of $10, $20, whatever the appropriate amount is for that difference. And the pristine one will be what our normal pricing should be now. It'll be like the pristine, when you think of like what, what the pristine is, is it's what you've been getting this whole time. That's the pristine, right? So that'll have a slight upcharge. So you'll go to the product page for a regular product and it'll be the same price that's always been, but the rugged is the default option. And so now there's the upcharges for the better version of the leather, the, the more uh, perfect version of the leather. And so that'll be how we end up doing this price increase. And I think it actually will be good because I think a lot of people we've talked, I've, I've done a little bit of focus grouping, not a ton, I should say, but a little bit of focus grouping. And it seems like a lot of people feel like we may be a little too stringent on some of our 
quality standards and that from what I've heard from the few people I've talked to this about is they, I, I will show them six pieces of leather. They will be what I, they'll be varying grades in my mind. And I will say out of these six pieces of leather, if you paid this much for them, which would you be disappointed to get? And by the way, I've, I included in that stack of six, a lot of ones that were not very good in my opinion. And consistently across the board, we've had almost everyone say they would be okay with any of the six, which to me is a, a crazy. I just, there's no way, but anyway, I digress. So moral of the story is I'm hoping that the rugged collection becomes popular. I'm hoping that because of the way we're doing this, people will go, yeah, I, I like the rugged. I like a little more of a, of a, um, you know, a rustic sense. I like things looking nicer like that. So we'll launch the rugged line. That'll help us kind of offset some of this because the rugged, if we can, if, if rugged, for example, becomes the primary thing we sell, right? Which I doubt it. And even if it did, that's kind of an interesting kind of dilemma. But if rugged becomes the primary thing we sell, the, it, it helps us across the board because it means our cutting efficiency gets a lot better because we throw out a lot of leather that just isn't very good but it would be good for rugged, but it's not good for our A grade. But if we can offer this product across the board, if we can offer rugged and, it, and we start to sell a lot of it, there would, that would help us improve our cutting efficiency, lowering the cost of all of the leather for all of our products across the board, which would be a big deal, right? That would be a big win for us. So that's my hope. That is my hope. And I think it'll happen. We'll see. Um, it's an experiment like all of these things. So who knows? It's going to require a ton of marketing work. It's going to require a ton of revision to the product pages for the website, because now we have to be very clear and very specific in all of our photography, what you're looking at. So we're going to include pictures of all of the ruggeds or of rugged on all of the product pages. And we have to tag in the photo rugged pictured or pristine pictured so that people can see what the difference is and have a sense of that before they buy it so that they're not disappointed if they really wanted pristine, but they bought rugged. We want them to make, we want it to be clear to them before they buy. Anyway, this is one, this price change, skew analyzing, costings, those are like two projects of 29, no, 35 that are currently on our product, our, our, target tracker, timeline tracker. And there's a lot of things that need to get done this year. But that's the start. That's the beginning of this. And I'm hoping that with some of these changes that we're going to be making, with more improving efficiency across the board in our cutting process, with improving efficiency in our engraving process, we will be able to accelerate our production, improve on this year, and we will be able to very seriously make changes to the process overall and to the the way we do all of our our manufacturing so that we can continue to provide customers with excellent excellent products that they will love for generations and we can produce them at a better efficiency so that the company can finally be profitable anyway i digress i really want to say thank you to everyone who supported us all this time supported us last year who supported us through ups and downs, lots of challenges, lots of changes. Those of you who've watched it from the beginning know that there's just so much going on and there's always been a lot going on. Um, and I appreciate a lot of you who've been patient during the Christmas season. 
For those of you whose order has been delayed because we're waiting on another shipment of leather, we apologize. Um, please, if you haven't seen your or any information on your order and you ordered it before like January 3rd, um, check your email. There might be information in there. We've been working really hard to get caught up after Christmas because it's just been it's just as bad after Christmas. But um, and we've been waiting on some shipments of leather that are supposed to arrive shortly here. That'll help us. So we apologize for those of you who've been waiting on that. I'm going to do a truncated version of my closing today uh, just because this is already a 52 minute long podcast. Um, so thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to check the notification bell. Check us on, on YouTube if you haven't got a chance. If you have any issues, concerns, questions, reach out to us. You can reach out to us on the main page of our website or you can send us a phone call at 414-434-9001. You can text that number. We're available Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, a good review can go a long way to help us grow. Check out our website, murdycreative.co slash reviews. Um, that'll be a place where you can leave a good review. It's a place where you can read all of our reviews. It really helps us. Check out our rewards program. It's the bottom left-hand corner of the, of the main page. There is a little rewards tab. If you're logged in and you click on that rewards panel, it'll open up and you get 5% back on any purchase you make in-store as in-store credit. But also there's a shareable link there where if you share that with your friends and family, they get a little something, $5 off for their first purchase. And you get a little something when they do make that purchase. Um, we really do want you to tell your friends and family about that. That does help. If you, uh, if you want to send topics my way, you're more than welcome to leave them in the comments below or send us via an email of, of podcast topics you want to hear more about. I'm always looking for new things to talk about. If you're looking for multiple binders or anything that we sell, uh, we do have bulk discounts built right into the cart page of our website. We also have most of our custom engraving items up. We don't have the executive cut up as of this recording. That will be coming very shortly. Um, so probably within two weeks, I'm hoping. Probably. Within two weeks, we will have everything that is going to be in the customizer in the customizer. Right now, we have, I think, everything but the uh, composition cut journal and the executive cut folio. So if you're looking for either of those two things, and I don't think we have the laptops in the laptop cases either. So if you're looking at any of those three things, you have to send us an email still, but everybody else, um, those are all in the customizer. So you can add your custom engraving to that page. You can add as many as you want to the cart. You can check out, you get the bulk discount and the customized product all ready to go. Uh, if you have any issues with the customizer, obviously, please send us an email. We are still troubleshooting that. There's still little kinks we have to work out as far as, you know, the issues, the process, the way it works. So if you've got issues or you come across something that needs to be corrected or changed or fixed or something's broken, let us know, please. Um, you can send us an email or uh, you can send us an email at sales, S-A-L-E-S, at murdycreative.co, or you can check out the contact form on the main page of our website to reach out to us if you're interested. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great day and goodbye.